0: We are in uh, our second part of a series titled War Room. Everybody say War Room. It was a great movie. If you didn't see that a couple years ago, one of my favorite people in the world was one of the primary actors in it, Priscilla, Priscilla Shire, who, by the way, is the best preacher in America. If you want to go look up any of her stuff, uh, Priscilla is a hero of Jamie and I's and love her so dearly. She is Dr. Tony Evans' daughter, and again, she is the best preacher, and I'm the second best. No, I'm just kidding, but anyway. (laughs) So we are in. We've titled this War Room, and again, uh, just drawing a lot from that. that, uh, They literally did a Bible study off of that Christian movie that they made, and I thought it was magnificent. We've drawn some pieces from it, and can you just... Help me thank Miss Jamie and Keisha last week for bringing the word. So good. I love you so much. And uh, if, if you weren't here last week, one of the key pieces that we were studying is that we are in a battle. Everybody say amen. amen. We are in a spiritual battle. Everybody say amen. amen. That there are forces of evil. Even though you can't see them, they are there. The Bible is very clear about them. And, uh, and Jesus actually, uh, we see him doing warfare um, all throughout his life on the earth with these forces of evil. And then the Bible teaches us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Your mama's not your problem. Your co-worker's not your problem. That we have a real enemy, and the Bible calls them principalities and powers. We'll read that here in just a moment. But we were just becoming aware even last week and waking up to we are in a battle. Everybody say Amen. amen. And, and one of the reasons that we bring this out in this season is because in, in October, the United States loves to embrace darkness and witchcraft and um and and we make it a part of who we are. I, everybody likes a little a good little fun time of getting candy and ha- hanging out with kids and stuff like that and dressing up but that 's not what i 'm talking about i 'm talking about the forces of evil being unleashed because we foolishly embrace them. Are you with me today and so more than ever before, the church. You, the believer, has to rise up and say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. All this stress, all this mess that I'm going through, something is going on besides just normal life. And what you have probably entered into without knowing it is a battle with spiritual forces, and you probably are being taken down. So it's with that, in this series, that we jump in. And today, in part two, we're really going to look at the, the, the equipping that God has given us so that we can be victorious. We're going to look at the, the spiritual armor that he's given us and wake up a little bit. And say, what am I doing? Have any of you ever showed up somewhere dressed the wrong way for that e- occasion? Do you know that moment? Is that not the most embarrassing moment in the world? Uh, I, I, um, I can remember a few years ago, Jamie booked me. I used to travel full time as a minister. She booked me in Wisconsin Woo! in January. In January. Southern people live in the South for a reason. There is no reason to live in Wisconsin in January. It's demonic. It's wicked. It was so cold. I was literally going from conference to conference, and we rented me a car. And I was going from conference to conference, and, um, and uh, it got so cold that one of the meetings that I was doing... Uh, At this conference center I left the car running locked in the parking lot Because it was so cold that every time I got in And I didn't dress appropriately Because I didn't understand That Texas cold is not like Wisconsin cold That, That they actually were talking about How their gasoline freezes didn't know it was possible. Have you ever been hunting and you didn't have the right gear on? Have you ever cut grass and didn't have the right outfit on? Have you ever been somewhere not dressed appropriate for the situation? Can I tell you, some of us are living that way right now. You are not suited up with the full armor of God properly, and it's time to adjust that here and now today. Are you with me today? Say yes. Turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read a large passage of Scripture so that you can get a large revelation. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. We'll be reading it out of the NIV version, verse 10 of Ephesians 6. Finally, I love that word, finally. In other words, hey, wake up. Let me give you some really good advice. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Anybody ever experienced the devil's schemes before? He goes on to say, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Pay attention to this. Against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Paul literally lays out almost like four Statuses are four different levelings of demonic forces, principalities and powers. It's almost like a military. Like you got generals, and you got, and you got, and you got sergeants, and you got these layers of demonic forces. And if you know anything about spiritual things, literally, there are forces of evil that have been sent against your family. There are forces of evil that have been sent against you. There are forces of evil that dominate areas. Uh, Let me tell you something. I'm from Louisiana. I can tell you what the demonic force over New Orleans is. You don't even have to, you don't have to have any spiritual sense, but you can roll into New Orleans, get down on Bourbon Street, and you're like, ooh, Jesus, there are demons everywhere. You know that there's that strong man, that principality, that heavenly wickedness, that thing that's in a realm that we can't really see. It continues on. It says, and so therefore, verse 13, put on the full arm of God. with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation and, and, um, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Last week, Ms. Jamie taught us about the prayer of the war room. I love how, I love how that whole concept has become more revelatory to me, that there is this space that you say, you know what? This space is where I'm going to do warfare. This space is going to be the place where I feel comfortable to plan against the strategic plans against my life. I'm going to revert those here in this place of praying, praying in the spirit on all occasions. That may be on your truck ride into work. That may be a little space that you carve out in your back bedroom somewhere. But you and I need to realize that everywhere we go, we need to be stepping into a war room periodically throughout our day and say, not today, devil, not today, not tomorrow, not any day. You and I have to learn to war in the spirit. Are you with me today? Say yes. Come on, you can do better than that. Are you with me today? Say yes. Because you're getting pushed around, beat down, messed up. And the enemy has literally come after you. In fact, let's break that down for a moment. In that earlier verse, it says the schemes. It says that you take your stand against the devil's schemes. You know what a scheme is? It's a plan of destruction. He's been scheming against you. And if you don't have a revelation of that, you just go through your day, and you're just trying to get the job done, and you're just trying to get to work on time, and you're just trying to get the kids dropped off at school, or whatever your normal everyday life looks like, and you don't realize that there is a plan of destruction at work against you. That there is an evil one who is scheming against you. Now you think about that for a moment. If you had an enemy, and you wanted to destroy them, what would you do? You would back up, and you would make a plan against them. Probably the first thing that you would do is you would watch them to find their weaknesses. You'd watch them to find their weaknesses, and then in a moment where they were not paying attention, you would attack. You would attack in a moment that they didn't pay attention to you. That would be a great plan of action against an enemy. And that's exactly what Satan has done for you. Every one of us have weaknesses. Somebody say amen. You can do better than that. Everybody say amen. Some of you, you have a tendency to gossip. You can't help it. They start talking over at the next desk over, you're like, well, let me tell you what I know about that. You have a tendency. You have a tendency when you get in a stab meeting to run your mouth and make everybody want to stab you. You have a tendency to curse people out when they don't drive right on the interstate. You have a tendency towards perversion. You have a tendency towards addiction. You have these tendencies. Every one of us have a tendency, a sin that's common to us. And you don't think that the enemy's not watching for that and looking for that and taking photos of that and going back to his war room and saying, all right, I need the demon of perversion right now. Where you been, bro? You know he's got a weakness towards that. I need you to see that girlfriend, that that girl that works over there at his job. I need you to start pushing over her. Get her over at his place a little bit. Get her over there saying some things. I need you to put this thought in her mind so she speaks it out and triggers that thing that he made a vow about back when he was a young man and said he was never going to let nobody do this. And if he ever, and then I I need you to go over here, you spirit of disruption, and I need you to get his wife mad at him and get him all focused on how she ain't, you know, uh, showing him any love. And so he's a Little discontent. She's a little discontent, and then spirit of perversion. I need you to push her, this girlfriend, over here, and try to get him going sideways with that. And you and I just go. Burr. And there is a plan of action against you. The Bible says it. Schemes. He has a scheme against you. He wants to derail you. He wants to trip you. He wants to keep you from being the heir that you are. You are a son and daughter of the Most High God. You're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And if I can keep you from knowing who you are, and I can keep you from taking up your weapons and fighting me back, if I can lie to you and tell you that you've been rejected by your, by your king, by your God, by your father, then I can get you thinking that you're nothing and not worth anything, then you'll never fight back. Have you ever watched somebody take a beating and yet they were as big as all get out and could have whoops, whooped the person hitting them. I've seen that happen before. I told a young lady one day, the only reason you don't have all your teeth knocked out because that dude right there, somehow in his mind, knows he better not hit you. But I'm telling you right now, with all you're doing to him, it's a, it's a miracle you alive, girlfriend. Pushing on that big old man, cursing that big old man, treating him like that. I'm telling you right now, I'd be in jail. And she looked at me, and I said, that's exactly right. The only reason you're doing it is because he doesn't realize who he is. I've seen parents do this to their young people. Curse them. Treat them like they're dirt. And the only reason they did that is because they were little. But what happens is that kid grows up, and that's why they hate their parents. That's why they hate that mama. Because she bullied them when they were little. I'm telling you right now, Satan is bullying you because you don't know who you are. He's got a scheme and a plan against you. And the Bible continues on. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And he goes on to literally tell us, he says, because when the day of evil comes, not if, when. When. If I can kind of identify that evil day or that day of evil, I don't believe that evil day is a single day in our life. But it refers to times in our lives where we are facing circumstances that seem to be overwhelming. I haven't had one evil day. I've lived a lot of evil days. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you may be in an evil day right now. You're like, look, Pastor, I'm not in an evil day. I'm in an evil month. Some of Somebody's like, I'm way past that. I'm in an evil five-year period right now. Let me just explain something to you. You are in a battle, and the enemy has put all of his guns facing towards you. He's looking to trip you up. He sent his little demons around to mix up everything around your relationships that are godly. Do you know for some of you, it was so hard to even get to church today because every demon in hell was trying to push against it? This is how he works. He is a scheming, lying devil. But I am confident of this. I am confident, as the scripture says in Psalm 27, 13, I am confident in this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That he can be as wicked, that demon can be as wicked as he wants, Satan can be as manipulative as he wants, but I promise you right now that God will not abandon his sons and daughters in the faith. Are you with me? Say yes. Yes. Come on, you can do better than that. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. You need to know who you are. Multiple times in scripture it says, and it will come to pass. It will come to pass. It never says, it literally, listen, it will come to pass. It never says it will come to stay. These are momentary light afflictions. You just got to learn how to take your stand. And it will come to pass. It will pass. I used to get real fired up as a young youth pastor. And my senior pastor was an older man in the faith from Mississippi. had that Mississippi draw. I'll never, I would go into his office all mad and frustrated about something. And we got to make a decision right now, Pastor. And we need to kick these people out of the church. They're full of the devil. And they're causing havoc. And I'll never forget, he just leaned back and he said, Oh, Brother Adam, this too shall pass. And I'm like, what? The, we need... Oh, just settle in, son. This will come to an end one day. You just settle in in faith. And that's when I started learning how to put on this full armor of God. Are you with me today? Say yes. It says, take your stand. It doesn't say run off. It doesn't say give up on God. Some of you have been in some evil days recently. Some of you are facing some evil days. You can feel it coming. I just want you to know, stand. And having done all to stand, keep on standing. One passage of scripture tells us, you haven't resisted to the point of death, so just keep on standing. Stand and stand again. so then as this passage tells for us here in Ephesians, it takes us through these, these armor pieces. And what Paul is doing is he's ministering to the Ephesians. And in that ancient time frame, the greatest, if you will, military group in the world were the Romans. They had the best weaponry. They had the best strategic planning. They had pretty much conquered most of what was the ancient world. What they wanted to conquer, they conquered. They made everyone submit to them. They literally brought, if you will, democracy. Uh, Yet, yeah, But they were a strong, heavy hand. Uh, the soldiers at any moment could grab you and make you carry their stuff. I mean, they were a strong military force to be reckoned with, and they were very, very strategic. They were excellent in warfare, and they had great, if you will, weapons. And so Paul says, let me help you see this spiritual battle and help you understand what weaponry you have or even strategies that you can take to fight off the demonic force. And so he gives us about six pieces, I'm going to call them strategies, for your spiritual warfare and I wanna just tell you how I use these weapons I use them in two parts I use them when I pray into something so I pray into my life Peace, uh, the, the you know the feet shot with the preparation of gospel peace. But I then also, in my practical everyday walk, I obey the scriptures and I walk in peace. Are you with me? So that's kind of this two pronged thing as I see it here about how we're going to strategically fight off the enemy and bring forth the glory of God in the earth. So let's start with the first one. The first one I'm going to start with today is the, the 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 shoes or what I'm calling the war boots, the war boots of peace. And he literally says, our feet shod i think is how king james says it our feet shod with the preparation or the readiness niv says of peace so you got to put on your war boots every day every day and let me tell you what the illustration that paul was kind of trying to teach us and that is don't walk anywhere into anything that doesn't bring you peace you should walk in the peace and the bible literally talks about it's the peace of god shall guard up our hearts and our minds in christ jesus And, and i have learned over the years. That every morning when I wake up, I just start doing this little practical thing in my mind. Lord, I put on my boots, my boots of peace, God, because I'm only going to go where your peace guides me. I have literally been in meetings with people, and they began to gossip, slander, get violent, get whatever, and I felt the peace of God leave me. And I literally have just excused myself from that place because I want to walk in peace, and that peace will guide you. And literally he talks about throughout scripture, be guided by peace. And so literally you can say to, in the middle of the conversation, I'm just, man, I'm struggling to be at peace right now. I'm really agitated. Let me step away and go pray. Let me, let you, if you would do this in your marriage when you started having these intense conversations that you're concerned about to start into yelling matchings or cursing matches or even throwing things at each other. The best thing you could ever do is say, "Whoa, wait a minute, my feet are getting hot. I need to get in some peace. Let me back this thing up. I'm going to go on into my war room.'" for a little bit. I'm going to pray a little bit and get the peace of God back. Anybody tracking with me understand what I'm saying? And and what you got to understand is if you walk around barefooted in warfare times, you're not going to get very far. I mean, supposedly the most popular Christmas movie of all times, anybody know what it is? Die Hard. Who knew? And if you remember the Die Hard movie, Bruce Willis is running around without his shoes on. And I remember watching that the first time. And I was like, when it came out on TV and it was edited. And so I was watching and he's running around. And, and I remember the guy starts shooting, pop, 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 and the glass is blowing up everywhere. And then, and then the next scene is Bruce Willis' feet are all bloody and pulling glass out of him. And I'm like, how can you do warfare barefooted? You can't. You can't. You can't go very far with bare feet. And so if you want to promote yourself if you excuse me if you want to move forward in God you got to walk in the peace of God and you got to learn to pray into the peace. So every morning when I wake up, and that's what you should do as well, say, Lord, today you're going to guide me in peace. Lord, I'm not going to move. I'm going to put on my peace boots, and I'm going to be able to literally know that if there's no peace in this thing, I'm going to back off and say, give me a second. I'm going to need to come back to this in- engagement because I'm feeling completely uh, un- disconnected. I'm feeling such anxiety and worry, and I need to get the peace of God in this situation. He's going to lead me and guide me. Are you still there? Say yes. Here's the second big if you will, strategy or armor part that he talks about, and that is the belt of truth, the belt of truth. He literally talks about how our loins will be girded about with truth. Our, our loins, our waist, you put on a belt to not just hold up your britches. In those days, the military, they would literally put that, to, and they would have shield pieces along this belt that would cover uh, you know, their reproductive organs. And, and, and I see that how Paul connects it to this piece of being able to reproduce has everything to do with truth. Truth. And I think there are two parts of this truth that he's talking about. First of all, the truth of the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? That's the truth. Not what, not what culture says. Not what Fox News says. Come on, somebody. Not what CNN says. Not what your favorite you know, YouTuber says. Not what your fa- favorite social media celebrity star says. Not what your favorite musician says. What does the Word of God say? That is truth. And literally girding myself up with what is real truth. What does the Word of God say? The reason why I stand against abortion because when I read in the Word of God that every life is precious to him, that in my and he, said, he said to the one prophet, in your mother's womb I picked you, I knew you, the hair's on your head and, and so when I see that truth, it doesn't matter if it's popular, doesn't matter if it's not popular, doesn't matter if you know if there's some other strategy to help people in difficulty and, 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 and you know abortion is part of that no 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 no. the truth of God is that the Lord. No matter how that child got in that womb, the Lord has that child numbered, and his days have a plan, or her days have a plan of God. And so I stand, not because of what's popular, what's not, because that's what the Word of God says. And so I can literally reproduce, because I stand in truth. Are you with me? Say yes. There's a second part of this truth, though, and I think that he's also talking about you and I and our personal authenticity. That it's... You can stand against the schemes of the enemy if you'll just be honest. If you'll just be true with yourself and true with other people. The reason why we are so adamant about you having good Christian friends and getting in small group life with some other Christians is because you need the ability to say to someone, you know what, I blew it today. Can you pray with me? I blew it. I lost my cool with my 17-year-old. When he brought the car back, whoo, And he had bumped it into another car in the parking lot, a Walmart, and he didn't get any information. And I don't know if someone got that on video. And I thought I was going to kill that kid. I let out some things. My old self came out. And I just need somebody to pray with me. And I want that person on the other end of that cell phone texting you back going, I got you, bro. I got you. I've been there. I'm not perfect either. Let's pray through this. But when you're honest and truthful. I was sitting in a meeting the other day. And uh, there were some things that didn't go right. And uh, and uh, and I was sitting there, and I realized as I'm sitting there, yeah, that's probably my fault. And I just stopped everybody. I just said, guys, I just, let me just say this. I, I think that, that's on me. I blew that one. And I think I created this piece. And, oh, no, Pastor, no, no. I, let's just be honest with you. I, I think I could have done that better. Would you guys forgive me? I'll do it better next time. What that did in the room, it just, All the tension went out. The peace of God came back in. If you could just for a moment look at your parents as a teenager and say, you know what? I blew that one. I'm sorry. Let me just be honest with that. I could have done better. I could have done. That truthfulness, that honesty, that authenticity, what it does is it pushes back the wickedness of the demonic forces. Because everything Satan does is rooted in manipulation and lies. So when you take on his nature and you maneuver things and manipulate things at work to get your way around this person, and you tell on this one over here, you need to learn to stand in truth and just say, you know what? I like her sometimes, but sometimes she's a nodhead. I'm going to tell the truth about it, and I'm going to tell the truth about myself. I could do better and how I engage with my supervisor. They're not the best, but you know what? At the same time, I could do better in that. When you start being honest and truthful, then guess what? Then Satan can no longer pull you into dark sin. Some of you hide your sin instead of being honest with them, blowing so I'm blowing it. I, 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 I had a revelation of this as a young man. And I started realizing that God could do greater works in me and through me if I will back up and just be honest. And be honest with the Lord and be honest with others. And I'm telling you something. It will cause you to reproduce. You know why people aren't getting saved around you? Because there's probably a difficulty with you being authentic. And being truthful about your own mistakes and your own shortcomings are you with me today say yes here's number three here's the third one that the apostle paul brings out he talks about the breastplate of righteousness the breastplate of righteousness now, now uh, it covers that most vital organ in a human body and that is the heart the heart pumps the blood the heart is the, one of the critical you know organs of the bible that keeps you alive and so he says, literally, put on the breastplate of righteousness. So let me just tell you this. Uh, when I wake up in the morning, I go through a little spiritual routine for me. I need the middle. I need the little middle. Lord, I, just today, Lord, before I go anywhere else, I just put on the boots of peace in Jesus. I literally will reach down and touch my feet just as a sign, just, you know, there, uh, just as a peace. Lord, I just put on, I'm not going to go anywhere today, Lord, that your peace doesn't leave me. Lord, I put on the belt of truth. Lord, where I've not told the truth, I repent. Lord, I want to walk in your truth. You tell me to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to own it, Lord God, when I blow it. And Lord God, whatever your word says, I'm going to operate. And then I put on the breastplate of righteousness in prayer. That's what I'm literally doing. I'm talking to God, and I'm literally talking into the spirit realm to every demon in hell. I need you to know I'm not, I'm not fighting you naked. I got my warfare, side, and I put on my Cavalier vest, and I put that Cavalier vest on, and I say, come on, devil, let's go. Why? Because I want my heart protected. And look what he literally says, the breastplate of righteousness. Do you understand that every law enforcement military personnel have identified that they must wear their Kevlar vest, even if they think it's not a non-combative moment, they'll still put on their vest? Do you know why? Because statistically they have proven that you are three times more likely to uh, survive a gunshot wound to the chest area if you have your Kevlar on. Anybody who's in law enforcement today will tell you, I keep my Kevlar on, even if I'm just going to get me some donuts. I'm going to put my Kevlar on because I don't know who's going to try to shoot me. And yet you and I do not protect our heart. And this is why we've got bitterness and offenses. You need to learn that you, are, you can live unoffendable. You can you need to be a warrior you don't have to every little thing offends you and this person said it like this and they didn't understand where I came from and I think oh Jesus I'm talking about raising up warriors today who can literally walk through the fire overcome the schemes of the enemy stand having done all to stand and keep standing are you with me today say yes isn't that the kind of Christian you want to be that's the kind of Christian I want to be they couldn't offend Jesus he was unoffendable couldn't offend him why because his understanding of this spiritual warfare thing, he recognized, he even said it on the cross. Listen, listen, they, they, they don't even know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't even understand the demonic forces that are pushing them to murder me. They don't even get it. There's a battle going on that they don't even understand how to engage in. You want to talk about breakthrough in your life? When you start learning to spiritual warfare, you start getting your war room, and you start putting on the whole armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness. I want to point out that for just a little bit, but he calls it the breastplate of righteousness. Why is that? Because righteousness will guard your heart. When you and I live holy and righteous, it protects the most vital organ of our spiritual body. When you and I live righteous, the reason why I'm constantly challenging you, come on now, that's your old way. Don't live like that anymore. You don't need to cuss people out anymore. You don't need to be addicted to that anymore. Come up out of that. Come live righteous with me. I'm from Louisiana, as some of you know. And one of our favorite pastimes, come on, Pop, is fishing. And we like to fish. We like to fish ponds. We like to fish small lakes. That's kind of where we're from because Louisiana is basically underwater. So everything has some kind of tributary, some type of water place, and we love to fish the banks. But if you've ever done this, and I've done this a hundred times, go over to a friend's pond, and uh, we're fishing the banks, and they give you permission. And they always have, I think you guys in Texas call them John boats. We call them bateaus where I'm from. They got a little boat. They got usually pulled up on the side, and that way if you wanted to get out a little bit more in the middle of the pond, fish a little different angle, you can't get around something, you can just get in there a little John boat or bateau as we call them. And anytime you've ever done that, you maybe you've experienced this like I have. you go over to that John boat, and what is it always? It's always upside down. Why is it upside down so it doesn't hold water when it rains, right? But here's the problem with an upside down bateau. Something is under there. There's a critter, there's something that's crawly. There's something that may hop. I'm not worried about those as much as I'm worried about the things that slither. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And any time, you better teach your kids this. You go over to a john boat or bateau, and you're going to right-side it. You're going to flip it over to the way it was made to operate. There are going to be critters underneath it because it's been upside down. It's amazing. You don't have to put a sign on it. Critters, welcome. You don't have to send out an invitation. All you wicked demon snakes, come live under here. They naturally, stay with me, they naturally are drawn to that space because that boat is upside down. When you right the ship, the critters don't live there. The reason why you're struggling with so many things is because you don't have the ship right side up. So you've got critters in your life. You can't figure out why you're addicted to porn. Write it side up start living righteously. Start saying, you know what? I'm not going to let this thing control me. I'm not going to hide this anymore. I'm going to sit down with my wife. I'm going to sit down with our pastors. I'm going to repent of this. I'm going to right the ship. And then that way no critters can live. And that's what he's talking about. When he uses this word righteousness, it literally is a middle picture of righting the ship. That you and I don't have to be perfect, but we can't live it upside down with hidden, hidden things happening all underneath. What we need to do is right it up where the sun can see all things. Light up those things within your life and as you walk in that uprightness as you walk in that authenticity as you walk in that humility and say I don't have it all together but I'll be doggone if I'm going to live it upside down. I'm tired of hearing about these pastors who have these little women on the side who've got these little drug things going on on the side who've been taking the money because they've got their ship upside down and little things they're hiding on right side up. Let me see how much money you're making bro. Let me see what you're doing in the middle of the day bro. Let us look through your, your socials and your DMs And see what's going on back and forth The reason that thing is happening Because you got all this hidden stuff And that upside down space is where all the critters come and live You don't have to beg for them to come They are naturally drawn to it And he says if you will live righteously It will protect your heart The most vital organ of your spiritual life You'll be protected It'll be safe Jesus And Then he moves on To the helmet of salvation Literally putting on that helmet of salvation. I wake up every morning and say, Lord, just by faith, I put on the helmet of salvation, which will protect my mind, my thoughts. You and I know what it is to have our thoughts just overwhelmed with stress and wickedness and insecurity and fear or perversion or hatred, whatever it may be, the thoughts of our mind. There's that movie years ago, Saving Private Ryan. Again, I got to see it once it came out on TV edited. There's this little scene where this little private Finally makes it to the war and he's in the middle of the battle and as he's shooting from his little foxhole, someone's shooting back at him, the the enemy's shooting back at him, all of a sudden he hears, bink! Kind of stuns him a little bit and he takes off his little helmet and there's a dent where a bullet just hit it. Saved his life. But as he has his helmet off and he turns, they shoot him in the head. Crazy scene. But what a practical understanding of what you and I need to never take off our helmet. You are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. You can pull down every enemy thought that comes into your mind. You can think on those things which are lovely and honest and of a good report. Why? Because you are a believer. You are protected by Jesus, and you need to take up this opportunity to say, I don't have to let that thought control my life. Before I was a Christian, I had no power over my thought life. Whatever the devil threw at me, I thought, and then I would act upon it. I had no power. But once I became a Christian, I now have the spirit of the living God living inside of me who says, wait, that thought's not from heaven. That thought is from the demonic forces. Like, you're right. And I began to learn to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient. Wait a minute, my wife doesn't hate me. Wait a minute, that person's not going to destroy me. Wait a minute, we're not going to lose all our money. And I begin to take those thoughts captive because I'm a saved believer. Because I follow Jesus Christ and I have the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to God for the pulling down of strongholds. Woo, I'm preaching better than you amen to me. I'm going to tell you that right now. Jesus. Romans chapter 8 talks about this. You and I have to learn to submit our mind to the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires. See, my mind is not set on how many more people I can get in this church so I can feel better about myself. That's my sinful nature. My mind is not set on how much money can we make so that we can be safe for any kind of pending economic downturn. My mind is on what does the word of God say? How do I give and give freely? How can I help others? Well, whatever I have, I will will entrust it to the Lord. I'll give my tithe to the church house, to the storehouse, and then I'll love and help others with whatever resources I got. And the more I give, the more he gives back to me, and I just become a conduit. My mind's not held up. In these places, why? Because I'm submitted to the Holy Spirit. He says, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. You should ask yourself throughout the day, Holy Spirit, what do you desire right now? What are you doing right now in this conflict that I'm having, standing at this checkout line in Walmart? And I'm about to get mad. What are you doing in this moment? What How should I see this? What are you, what are you doing? And what are you the mind of the sinful man? Verse six is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The moment you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit came to live and abide in you. You have the litter. You have the guidance. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead now lives in you. You have the person of the Holy Spirit. That's why you started. The moment you confessed Jesus as your Lord, the moment you surrendered your life, you started being convicted about things you weren't convicted about earlier. You started started having these senses, these moments, these desires even to not do some of the things that you've always enjoyed, like getting drunk or getting getting it over on somebody and telling them off and making them feel crushed under the power of my intelligence. And all of a sudden, ooh, I'm feeling grieved about that. I probably shouldn't do that. What is that? The spirit of the Lord. And he says, the mind, if you'll submit your mind. So I wake up every morning, I submit my thoughts to you, Holy Spirit. Tell me what to think tell me where to go tell me what not to do lead me today and then he brings us next to the shield of faith the shield of faith i need to understand this again he's comparing this in his ancient time that he's living in and every one of the early church would have had a mental picture an everyday life example of the romans with their shields and so their shields would not be the little you know the little round disc you know like captain america you know wouldn't have been that It wouldn't have been a shield like that. It would have been a shield that literally was probably right up to their chin, unless they were really, really Texan, but for right here. But it had the ability for them to get behind it and literally cover them. It wasn't something that they literally could wield like you see Captain America wielding it. It would have been something that they could literally hold up. It would have been lightweight enough for them to march with it and hold it up, but it literally was a barrier. It was more used as a barrier than it was like we see in some of the, you know, the, the 1500s, knights of the round table with their little shields. And they hit you with the shield and then hit you with the sword. This thing would have been much bigger. It would have been used for them to link other soldiers' shield. It would have been used more as a barricade, a, a wall, if you will. Many times they would cover it with animal skins whether they had made it out of wood or if that um, shield had been made out of metal. The reason why they would cover it with animal skins that had been soaked in different types of, um, uh, you know, whether it be like a lard or something like that, is because the enemy would shoot arrows over the top of their people down into the opposing people. And those arrows would hit, but they would have arrows many times that were on fire. Fiery darts, as Paul refers to them. And so if they just had the metal, it would hit the metal, bounce off, and hit a friend or a, co- a co-laborer, another soldier on your team. But they would put these skins over so that it would stick, and then those skins on top of that shield would literally quench the fire, put the fire out. That's how they made them, to be able to put the fire out. So when he's giving this mental picture, he says, listen, and that you take up your shield of faith that can quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. I need you to understand he's talking about you and I and the way we trust the Lord. We, we literally say, Lord, I believe in you. I trust that you're going to bring me through this thing, this job evaluation where I know they're after me to try to fire me. I'm trusting in you and you alone, oh God. I love how the Hebrew boys said it when they were in the, thrown into the fiery furnace and the king made them try to bow and they wouldn't bow. And they said this as they threw them into the fiery furnace. They said, oh king, our God will deliver us from your fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't we will not bow. In other words, we so trust in him that even if if, if he doesn't save us from this, that he's got our best interest in mind. See, it's not faith in yourself, and it's not faith in your ability to have faith. It's faith in a God who's bigger than anything imaginable, anything you can comprehend. It's, Lord, I put my faith in you for when I am weak, you are strong. I don't even know how to get through this thing in my marriage, but I put my faith in you, oh God, and I quench the fiery darts because you will bring us through this. You will deliver me. You will do a miracle in my life, even though I don't even know how to walk uprightly with you. This is the faith that Paul is referring to. It's a faith that is not of ourselves. It's a faith that comes from believing in the only one. Mark 11, Jesus says it like this in verse 22. He says, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes in what he has said, it will happen. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, whatever you ask for in prayer, and believe that you have received it, it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. I want you to connect this. Jesus, in teaching how to walk in faith, he says, listen, you could say to a mountain, go throw yourself Mount Everest into the ocean. And if you have faith in God, that mountain will obey you. Another passage says, if you even have faith as small as a mustard seed. In God, not in yourself, not in your righteousness, not in that you're good enough, not that you've been faithful to church enough, not that you gave more money than anybody else. God, I believe in your ability to do anything. And so I'm praying to you for this, and I put my faith, my trust in you. He says if you do any of that in God's name, and it's what God wants done, if you'll pray God's will into this thing, and it's what God wants done, it will obey and go throw itself into the ocean. That's literally what he's saying. But then he makes a caveat, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, but if you have hatred, anger, bitterness in your heart, he says, make that right. He says, make that right. Because, if you, because how can God forgive you if you don't forgive others? Jesus makes the connection. I want you to understand this. He makes a connection that unforgiveness hinders the faith that moves mountains. He said, I don't understand. Why? What I would do is I would go back and checklist and say, Lord, have I really forgiven this person? And have I forgiven this person? Because I feel like my faith is hindered somehow. I feel like I'm getting shot and wounded and, and my life is on fire. And it's like I can't get behind. It's like some part of me is sticking out from behind the shield of faith because I have unforgiveness towards someone. And the moment that you repent of that unforgiveness and you let them go, it's literally as though you come back behind that shield and all those fiery darts just boom, 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 and it quenches. That's what the scripture says. It quenches the fiery darts. And then he closes out, which what a lot of preachers call is pretty much the only offensive weapon, and that is the sword of the spirit, which Paul clearly articulates as the word of God. The sword of the spirit, the word of God. Now you gotta understand, as he's again, he's connecting this to Roman soldiers. And it's interesting to me that he didn't say the spear of the spirit or the bow and arrows of the spirit. He says the sword of the spirit. You gotta understand, Roman legionnaires, foot soldiers, they would have had a sword that's about 18 inches long. It was not made. Riding horses and wielding on top of people's heads like you see in some of the movies It would have only been about like this. Why? Because it's an up-close hand-to-hand battle tool It's not this long and you'll see it. You can even see some some of the the Reproductions of some of these they have them in museums and stuff. they're only about this big Why because this is a face-to-face battle every demon in hell is right up close to you You just need to understand that and they are trying to destroy your family they're trying, to, they're trying to find those weak areas in, 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 in your life and push them forward and bring difficulty into your life. And every time you and I are stripped bare of our armor, the enemy wins. And that's why he literally says, now let me tell you how to be in hand-to-hand combat with them. You've got the shield that you, that you get behind when those fiery darts are coming down out of the sky. You, you, you've got your feet shot so it doesn't matter if they throw glass or set the field on fire. got that peace going on in your life you got your loins so they can't they can't stab you in the growing area and things like that you got that truth happening inside of you you got their breastplate on you got to have that forgiveness thing going you got to keep your heart pure you got to watch that thing that righteous living is going to keep you from being destroyed and stabbed in the heart can I tell you something over the years because I have lived right before the Lord it has not destroyed me that other people have tried to wound Jamie and I because I'm right with the Lord And so i don't i don't see that them as trying to harm me i see them as having difficulties in their own life and they can't help but be used by the enemy against me but because i'm living righteous i have no guilt or shame i just keep being obedient to the lord and then i put on my helmet of salvation i'm taking every one of those thoughts captive all throughout the day i'm saying nope nope that's not how god thinks nope i'm not going to believe that about that person i take you captive and then as you take up this sword of the spirit it's exactly what jesus did it's the word of god and i want to teach you how to use this sword properly when Jesus was tempted by Satan Satan would take a scripture and he would maneuver it manipulate it, and Jesus would come back and say no the Bible actually says this the word of God says this so I would teach you on a daily basis to pray the word of God so you get in your war room and you pray the word of God for example if I was struggling let's say with an addiction I would find every scripture about freedom I would write that down, either on sticky notes, three by five cards, somewhere. And every morning, I would wake up, and I would pull that sword. And I would begin to tell the devil, let me tell you something. It's not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit of the living God. No weapon formed against me can prosper. I'm quoting the word. I'm slashing and dicing, and I'm stabbing. I'm literally pushing back the enemy with what the Word of God says. If I had a problem with insecurity, and every time I walked into a room and people were laughing, I thought they were talking about me, I would find every passage of Scripture I could find about the security of who I am, my identity in Christ. I'm a son of the Most High God. No weapon formed against me can prosper. All those that rise up against me shall fall. And I'll start quoting, though. This is what I did. Early on in my Christian walk as a young, young pastor in my late teens, early 20s, I was still struggling with, with pornography in my mind and things that I had seen and things that I had had participated in and i'll never forget i was in a meeting before the lord i'm like lord i just so just, i just hate all these things these images in my mind and i'll never forget he told me use the sword of the spirit luke use the force i'm sorry and uh at a moment and so i went and found every scripture on purity that i could find and every morning i would wake up i had them on three by five cards and i took them with me all throughout the day they were in my back po- pocket Job 33, 33, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a woman. 2 Timothy, flee youthful lust. Everything I could find, I just kept quoting it and quoting it. Can I tell you something? Something loosed me about three weeks into that thing. The scheme, the plan that had wrapped itself around me started loosening its power. The grip was gone, and I began to walk in freedom. Are you with me? Say yes. I tell you my wife's glad about it. She didn't want to marry a guy who's going to be addicted to porn or cheat on her. Every one of the men in my family cheated on their wives. That was a scheme against our family. That's a strong man over our family. I'm the first one to break that. First one. To not cheat on my wife, not to... Not, not to have little extramarital little conversations with people and women kind of stuff. Why? Because I recognized it was a scheme against me when I was young. My mom recognized it. We began to fight against that thing. And then what I did was we set up barriers to where the enemy couldn't get into that spot. I built that spot up. I'm never alone with the opposite sex. I don't, my wife has full control of all of my socials. She knows anybody DMing me. She knows my password on my stuff. I don't even know my own password. She knows. She knows that somebody. She tells me, "Hey, so and so just texted you." I'm like, "Oh, great." I don't like what you looking at my phone for. Are you looking at my phone? My phone. Why? Because I knew I needed. Come on, I needed some barriers. I needed some. I needed some built up walls because that's a weak spot in my family. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. This is why some of you are so destroyed by the enemy's schemes is because you don't understand how to fight and you don't even recognize that you're in a battle and you'll continue to be in this battle until the day that we cross over. And I just want to encourage you that whatever you're facing, pray through it. Whatever you're facing, wake up every morning, put on your whole armor of God, live this thing out, get in that war room a couple times a week or every day, however you can, and begin to tell the devil, this is what's about to happen. I'm going to walk in peace. That thing you're trying to cause me, all kinds of frustration, I'm stomping on you with the boots of peace in Jesus' name. I refuse to have all this frustration and anxiety. How dare you be a man of God full of the Holy Ghost, full of anxiety? How dare you? Spirit of the living God lives inside of you. You're not a victim. You're a victorious warrior. Rise up, man of God. Rise up. Rise up and wake up every morning and say, I refuse to have my peace stolen from me." The boots of peace up against your face, Satan. That's how I pray. You don't want to be in my prayer room with me sometimes. You're like, that dude's crazy. No, no, no. That man is smart because I recognize I'm in a spiritual battle for my life, for my wife, for my children, for you, for this church. I'm in a spiritual battle. And the enemy wants to kill steal and destroy but jesus has come that we might have life and life more abundantly so let me give you the two parts every day you should wake up and pray you say how, how, how do i put on the whole armor of god every day you pray pray into the whole armor of god lord i, got, I just put my helmet of salvation on i'm not gonna think thoughts that are wicked help me holy ghost Mine, my mind has stayed on you i'm gonna take up my faith And I'm going to say, Lord, whatever you say, it's going to happen, and I'm not going going to doubt. I'm going to take the word of God. I'm going to just start slicing and dicing every thought that comes against it. I'm going to put the word of God on it. Everything I'm doing, I'm going to say what the word of God says. And the second way that you continue living with the armor of God in it is that you obey whatever the word of God says. If he says, help the hurting, you help the hurting. If he says, repent of your sins, you repent of your sins. If he says, humble yourself and go to your brother who's offended you, Matthew chapter 18, then you go to them. Stop talking about, about them online with little su- sucker punches, little, you know, passive aggressive little things. Those people in your life who said they were going to be there for you. You know, after a little, when you go through something, don't. That's what the Bible says to do. No wonder you open that space up and the enemy's able to push you all around. Close that door, put on your armor, and let's go after it. There's a battle going on for your children, for your life, for your sanity, for your health for your salvation, and I'm telling you like never before, it's time to step up, man of God. Step up, woman of God, it is not a game anymore. You have to recognize that every demon in hell has pointed its fangs, every one of their weaponry towards your life so that you don't serve God, so that your kids won't serve God, all of their friends won't serve God, all of your family members to destroy an entire lineage of people because of you. Oh, but I give Satan notice today that each and every one of us here at Hill City are stepping into our rightful position as men and women of God. We're going to put on our whole armor of God every morning when we wake up and every day throughout the day, we're going to readjust that armor and we're going to make him pay for thinking that he can scheme against us and destroy us. Are you with me today? Say yes. Stand with me quickly. Quickly stand.